Greetings, rare ones. My name is Joanne, and I started the Rare Birds podcast because I wanted to hear from people like myself who come from emerging markets or the developing world, as we're called, who are entrepreneurial, resourceful, passionate, and energized to take their vision from idea to startup. Each week, you will hear me interview founders and teams from across emerging markets who are in the early stages of building their businesses. From time to time, you will also hear me speak with established ecosystem builders, mentors, investors, and business professionals who share knowledge based on their years of experience. This podcast is for anyone who is interested in hearing from the next wave of change makers across emerging markets, building in various industries from agro to tech to health, beauty, and all in between. This podcast is also for those who have ideas, but they're not entirely sure how to make them a reality. They're looking for inspiration and encouragement. We call ourselves Rare Ones. And if this sounds like you, then welcome to the family. Sit back, relax, and listen in to our always so good conversation. Bye for now. Greetings, everyone. This is your host, Joanne, here for the Rare Birds podcast. Welcome back to another episode. And this evening, I'm joined by my friend in Trinidad, and his name is Zweed. Hello, Zweed, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for welcoming me. Let me, let me just say one thing. Um, yes. Do not forget to leave out Tobago. <laughs> A lot of Tobago <laughs> So okay, sorry. Zweed <laughs> from Trinidad and Tobago. There you go. You're right, correct, you know. Correct, correct, oh correct. God. That's <laughs> sometimes sometimes we forget our sister island and, and they, they feel bad about it, you know. <laughs> so it's, it's important yeah. to, to include them. So yeah, first off, Joanne, thank you for having me on the show. It's a quite an honor. I really appreciate the opportunity to um share insight in terms of what I've been doing and also um, communicate with like-minded individuals such as um, Joanne and those who are tuning into the podcast. So a little bit about myself and my background. My name yes. is Zwede Hewitt. I am from Trinidad. It's Zwede. It's Zwede, not Zweed. I've always called you Zweed. You've never corrected me. <laughs> well, coming <laughs> come from a background in sports, I got used to my yeah. name being butchered. So I was just... Whatever. Oh my God, I'm sorry. So where does it come from? What is with the meaning behind of it? It's a rather unique name. Zwede. Well, it's, it's, a, it's an African name. It's an Ethiopian name of Ethiopian descent. And it means essentially of, of royalty. Um, so Zwede oh, means wow. of royalty. And my middle Amharic, name is... maybe. And my middle name is Menelik. Uh, Menelik was a king in Ethiopia. So essentially Ethiopia. my name okay. means King Menelik. Okay. Correct. So, it, it, are any of your parents by any chance Rastafarians? Yes. So, my dad, by religion, he's also Ethiopian Orthodox and he was a right. Rastafarian by okay. religion and by culture. Correct. Ah, I did well there, didn't I? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good show. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. So, tell us more about you, Zwede. Well, me, well, I am born and raised in Trinidad and Tobago, citizen of Trinidad and Tobago. I grew up here, went to high school here, Queen's Royal College. Um, I am a former national athlete, Commonwealth Games medalist for Trinidad and Tobago. I attended Baylor University, where I earned a bachelor's in communication, speech communication precisely. 
Um, after my college stint, I ran professionally for a couple of years. Um, that has been able to bless me with the opportunity to travel the world from a young age. I've been to mm. many different continents, Europe, Africa, many Caribbean islands, um, South America, North America. So I've been really blessed with regards to that opportunity to travel and experience things at a young age. So that was yeah. like my major takeaway from track and field. Um, moving on, I, I suffered a couple um, tough injuries in track, started that with mm. my own entrepreneurial efforts that essentially led me to here. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So you studied communications, you said communications and speech. Is that well, what you said? Well, my degree was in communications, but speech communication specifically. Correct. So that okay. was what I studied at college. What is that exactly? Speech communications? Like specifically what I mean, is it essentially what it is? Speech, giving speeches and whatnot. Literally, literally. Um, oh, um wow. coaching the practice of, of public speaking, being able to speak and communicate efficiently, but also not just right. direct speech, but um inter-interpersonal communication, um, body language. So essentially just being able to be an all-around better communicator generally. And you do that really well. And that comes in handy as a skill for an entrepreneur because you know how to communicate with different types of people, how to do your pitches, presentations, etc. right? Most definitely. So um, in this journey, this has been like my go-to tool, essentially. I didn't have to study or try too hard in terms of being able to engage and communicate effectively. You know, a lot of people talk about like stage fright and the sure. having the ability to communicate with people who they deem sometimes in higher ranks than them and they get nervous, yeah. they ha they break down. So I've been always to maintain a minimum level of composure when conversating or communicating. I think that has mm. been sort of my trump card as an entrepreneur thus far, really. Yeah. And where does that come from? Do you Have you always had that level of confidence or was it honed through your studying your degree in speech communications? Well, well, to be quite honest, even at college, I wouldn't say it, it was honed while studying because my, my emphasis and my focus during college was really track and field. <laughs> but, right, right, so, right. So, so during, my, during my tenure at college, I was never, I was never a big communicator. I was not, uh, I'm not a very social person. Um, what I did mm -hmm. is I went to class, I went to practice, and most of my friends really were from my track and field team. Um, so where right. I really came was really just trial by fire. After college, really figuring out after that, and or, or sort of like tapping into those skill sets that I learned in college. But, you know, and this is something that I generally feel about education and the whole. You can study as much as you want, but until you actually practice it in real life, you do not know how to use it effectively. So I, yeah. I think that even though I, I was able to get those base, that base knowledge in college and those, the general understanding, really trial right. by fire is really what got me to understand that, hey, I'm pretty good at this, but I need to to nurture this as a talent and as a skill to get better, you know? Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I'm from the Caribbean, you're from the Caribbean, or as Trinis would say, Caribbean. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So for those listening, tell that have that have never been to the Caribbean or to Trinidad, explain to them a little bit about Trinidad culture and what Trinidad and Tobagonian. I mean, I know the cultures are a little bit different, Trinidad and Tobago. And mm -hmm. what, what was it like growing up there? Okay, well, I grew up in Trinidad all my life. The two islands, mm -hmm. Trinidad and Tobago. Trinidad is more fast-paced. That is where you mm -hmm. have um, the businesses, have um, a lot of the, the oil companies set up. Trinidad is really fast-paced business life, and Tobago is more 
culture, country vibes, nice beaches, and more tourism. So we kind of mm-hmm. have the best of both worlds in terms of we have a, a fast-paced industry slash economy um, to where you mm-hmm. can get things done, you can, you can um, grow and scale businesses pretty quick. But if you want to get away, relax, and just forget about all of that, you can just take a quick ferry. It's like an hour to Tobago or a 10-minute flight, and you have the complete mm-hmm. opposite, which is tranquil, country, laid-back, nice beaches, white sand. So I think that we have been really blessed with, with um, resources, and that has been our, our blessing as a nation. We were oil and gas rich country, but we do mm-hmm. have um, um, a bunch of other resources as well um, in terms of great tourism, great culture through our carnival experience. Mm-hmm. So I think that we have been really blessed with, with a lot. So I think that is just for us as a nation, the sort of manager resources we have um, effectively to ensure our, our, our sustainability moving forward. But Growing up, I grew up in an area called Belmont, Trinidad and Tobago. That was actually a really tough area growing up. My parents mm-hmm. were not well off. They worked really, really hard. Uh, my mom comes from a family of 14, 14 siblings. Same mother. Wow. Correct. So same grandparents. <laughs> made, made 15 children. So my mom, wow. you know, that was, that was a challenge for her to, to be able to, to experience life at her at her fullest in the sense that having so many siblings, younger siblings, mm-hmm. a lot of her life went towards like taking care of younger siblings growing up and stuff like that. So of my course, dad, mm-hmm, and both of my parents yeah. grew up in Belmont. My dad, he, he went to, he went to, he went to the States for college. He went to the States for college, came back to Trinidad. He, he was into the Rastafarian culture for a bit um, and really kind of buckled down in terms of his professional career in his 30s, and that saw him to eventually land a job as the CEO of one of our major hospitals, Southwest Regional, Southwest Regional Health, Health Authority. That is a, mm-hmm. a health institution, public health institution based in Southern Trinidad. So from that mm-hmm. point, that is where we moved from Belmont into an area now called St. Joseph, which is actually, which was the first capital of Trinidad and Tobago before Port okay. Spain. He, mm-hmm. he, he did that as a, as a move to give his kids essentially a better life. In sure. Belmont, there was a lot of um, poverty. There was a lot of um, little gang issues as kids growing up, you know, this, right. this corner against that corner. So he wanted to give his kids a better life and move away from that. So he really put his head down and, and, and got focused in his, in his 30s and was able to, to secure a better future for us, so fortunately. So I'm really thankful for the, the sacrifices and efforts that my parents have made growing up, even investing in my track and field career. You know, that was mm. one of the, uh, a major blessing of mine. I can, I can never stop thanking my parents so much for how much they have supported me in terms of my career, my education. I've been really blessed with having a great support system of, of, of parents. So that is, that is one of the, the key factors. I like that. having a great, great parent support system and a great community are two things that I yeah. really believe have been able to mold me into who I am today. Um, the community right. of St. Joseph, I really, I, I, I'm really grateful for this community as, as they have been able to, to teach me things that friends and family sometimes cannot. And I think that yeah. some people leave out the entire community approach of raising a kid. You know, sometimes they say it takes a community or a village to raise a kid. I am mm-hmm. generally of that belief, given that yeah. the world is so integrated. We have so many cultures, so many. You cannot just live and thrive alone just off of direct your 
your household. You know, you need a community right. to move forward. So uh, moving into this community of St. Joseph, this is where I was able to develop some of my friendships that still last today and really been able to open my eyes in terms of, of issues going on at a community level and see how they affect a nation. You know, so so that is that is my little bit of background in terms of how I grew up and, and where we are today. To this day, um, I still live in St. Joseph. Um, mm. but yeah, so part of my community is a big part of me and a major part nice. of my plans is to be able to assist the community of which I grew up in, you know. Fantastic. So you have no plans to leave Trinidad? <laughs> to, to, well, to be, to, be, to be honest, I'm actually, uh, well, I, I was a, a permanent resident of the U.S. for the past 10 years, and I gave oh, wow. up permanent residency status. Uh, my you siblings, gave it up. Okay. Yeah, I gave it up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my, okay. my, my siblings, they all are American citizens now. My mom is an American citizen. She has dual citizenship. Me personally, how many I wonder how many Caribbean people would do that, give up U.S. citizenship. Interesting. Not many. Not many. Not many. Not many. I, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> it was it was a rhetorical question. <laughs> yeah. 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 But my mm -hmm. my my philosophy is a is, is a little bit different. Um, mm -hmm. I am of the for, I, I I don't I try not to say things to offend people, uh, mm -hmm. but essentially. I do not think that America is the greatest place in the world. That is just my opinion. And yeah. I living there for a couple of years, I have seen both the ups and downs living in Texas. And there are some issues that I definitely do not stand for and right. believe in, in, in the U.S. And just hearing stories from my dad. My dad gave me a story just about two weeks ago. And mm -hmm. he was telling me, this was his exact statement. He said, Zwele, when you feel passionate about certain instances, especially when it comes to the rights of black people, never ever be afraid to voice your opinion or stand up for what you believe. He told me when mm. he was in college in New York City, this was however long ago, he, he, he got in some issues with a, with a, dry, cleaning, a dry cleaning store, some nonsense like that. And the owner called the cops on him, and the owner was racist, and the owner called the cops on him. And my dad was walking back from the dry cleaners. It was a cold day in New York City. His hands was in his pocket. And he got to the corner and he said about five police cars pulled up in him, guns drawn. And what mm. one of the cops said, his exact words was, nigga, take your hands out of your pocket. My dad said mm. something in his mind told him, do not take his hands out of his pocket. Just lie on the ground, flat with his hands in his pocket. He did that. And when he was getting arrested, the guy told him, literally said, if you took your hands out of your pocket, you would be dead, nigga. And that was a real story. So these are some mm -hmm. of the areas that I generally feel that that I I personally, I am comfortable with my background in Trinidad. I'm comfortable yeah. with people in Trinidad. And I, I, don't, I, I, mm -hmm. I don't see the need to, to live elsewhere. That's just me personally, in my opinion. I feel like America yeah, yeah. has some issues that it definitely need to sort out to really definitely. move forward as, a, as, a, as, a, as the nation that they claim to be as this powerhouse, the world dominant, the great America. If you really want to be great, they need to fix something. So that was just my personal opinion and my stance yeah, yeah. on me choosing to remain a Trinidad citizen and a Trinidad resident. Yeah, I don't think you'll find too many people disagreeing with you on that one. I mean, I lived in the U.S. for a while too, and it's not mm -hmm. for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But... <laughs> it's, just, it's, not, it's not for some people. Yeah, and I think, but the, the truth still remains. I think 
what you did is quite rare because I mean I have a U.S. passport as well, but that's because mm-hmm. I was born in in the U.S. Virgin Islands. But my family were from Saint Kitts and Nevis. But mm-hmm. I mean I don't know. I mean I remember my mom and dad are now naturalized U.S. citizens and everything. And I remember growing up, you know, like cousins and aunts and and so on. You know, you have to file for them and you have to try mm-hmm. to get the papers. And it's just mm-hmm. everybody. You know, my mom was helping this person get her papers and this and that. So it's like, there was a point, and I guess it still happens, where so many Caribbean people were trying to become British citizens, American citizens, Canadian mm-hmm. citizens. But I think that maybe has changed somewhat. I'm not sure. As you're still living in Trinidad, is that urgency still there? Do you still think a lot of people are still trying to get to the I, Trinidad, get to the U.S.? Not, not anymore. Despite everything? Not anymore. Yeah. With, with, I, I know. With, I think it's changed a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially like yeah. with the feedback that people get from from the typical states that are Caribbean oriented. So a lot of people they went to the New Yorks, the Brooklyns, and the feedback mm-hmm. you are getting from those areas now it's not too enticing. Like I'm not going to go just live in New York like that. The opportunities have changed. It may have been mm-hmm. an economic option, a, a beneficial economic option of the time of our parents, but I think that um, given technology as well and opportunities that have spread globally, that option. It's not that feasible anymore. It's not that. So I think that there are better options available, and people are seeing them now. Even even outside of the U.S., you are in China. Mm-hmm. Like you don't necessarily yes, yes. have to go to America mm-hmm. anymore. You know? No, so, you so, don't. Yeah. Don't so really they, they, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think like with with media as well and the power of technology and social media, people are more aware of of what is actually going on. So I think that people are now making these decisions a bit more cautiously in terms of, no, I'm not just going to just pack up and go to America. That's what people did before. Like a lot of people just literally mm-hmm. pack up and leave. You know, mm-hmm. people are not, mm-hmm. y- y- you don't find people making those, those, those rash decisions as much anymore. So I definitely yeah. think that there's a, a change in terms of the mentality um, generally across the board. So I don't think it's just me alone who has this sort of stance. I think it's a general it's a general general consensus, sort of. Yeah, I think maybe the U.S. had its time. Maybe the mm-hmm. U.S. had its time, and now, and now it's move. It's we've moved on. I'm not sure, but at the same time, young people back in the Caribbean are creating more opportunities for themselves. Like I just mentioned, you mentioned your dad who went to university in the U.S. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, my parents who my who my parents did more into Caribbean migration. They moved to. St. Croix in the Virgin Islands. There was a point when that was big too. You'd move to the USVI or you'd move to Puerto Rico or you'd move to Barbados or <laughs> some other island. But mm-hmm. I think now that's a little bit different. People are choosing to stay at home. People are creating opportunities at home, young people like you, mm-hmm. creating your own opportunities. So now is a perfect time for you to tell us about Luhu. Most definitely. I would I would love to tell you guys. So <laughs> yeah, so Luhu was the idea for Luhu was that, that came to me in 2018, August the 18th, 2018, approximately 1 a.m. <laughs> I remember it like the back of my wow. hand. Because, yeah, because really? I, yeah, I was going through a, a, a really challenging time at that point of time in my life. That was when yes. I was just coming back. I got married in May. I was doing a, a, a contract. I started a, at a startup. It was called, it's called Spent. It's still just inactive Spent. right now. It's the sport entertainment company of Trinidad and Tobago. I was able okay. to land a state contract with the governing body of track and field to essentially do marketing and awareness supportive initiatives for our <laughs> national track and field championships at the junior, juvenile, and senior championships level, which was um, our world championships qualifications. And we, right. did a, we did an amazing job. We were able to raise 
about 400k TT dollars. That is probably divided by seven, let's say. About 55k USD, essentially, to go mm. towards bolstering the value of sport at That's our tactical championships. Yeah, and we did it. That's we, quite we, good. We raised those funds in, in, in about a month, literally, from none from the state. It was all through um, private organizations such as insurance companies. And what we did is we took best practices from um, like the NBA modern sports and market initiatives. We got like t-shirt yeah. cannons, had like a big screen, did like dance cams and all that stuff. So I was doing that state contract, got married in May. I was doing an event, a party in, in, in July the 1st. So wait, this, is at, this is right after you came back from the US. You decided you didn't want to be in America anymore. You came back home, you got married, and then you jumped into that? No, well, well I, came back, that... I came back home in 2004, 2015. 2015. So 2015, okay, and you got married I came in 2018. Back, yeah, 2018. Okay. So between right. 2015 and 2018, I was working my dad's company. He is... Uh, He's actually okay. into technology. We have a family business called Advanced Performance Technologies Limited. And we have done okay. a couple of state contracts providing sporting equipment and technological services to the government. So I was working right. with him and training professionally. Um, had an injury. And then 2018, that was really my transition in year. And I did an event. It was a major pool party in Trinidad. But unfortunately, there was a catastrophe across the island. There was a mm. huge flood. Like rain from morning to night, the entire island flooded. I lost wow. a bunch of money. Um, you, mm. the, event, the event business is risky business. So that was, mm. that was just a, a loss I had to take. But in the process of absorbing that loss, that is where I came up with the idea for Lou. Because what saved me was really the ability for me to leverage connections in my network. Meaning mm. I sold my car to pay off bills. I sold, um, I was essentially doing small jobs, essentially just to keep things turning over, keep business afloat. But what I really realized and learned at that point was the power of your network. I would call mm. someone and be like, hey, do you know someone who can get me tents? I don't have any cash right now, but can you maybe get me a discount? And leveraging good name and trust was essentially what carried me through those challenging times. And one day, mm. that day in August, when everything was kind of settling down, so I just came off of a really, really rough month of literally just paying bills for like a month straight. And I was sitting there, I was like, what do I do next? And I was like, you mm. know, I'm really so thankful for all of the individuals and the people who helped me in this time. I was like, shit, I can make an app out of this. I mean, essentially just a mm. platform to where you can offer your resources and people in your network can gain access to those resources. And typically your network is people who you trust. So it increases that right. safety factor. And Literally, I was just sitting down there and I was like, Luhu, let us help you. People help me. I would love to help you. So I was at a point in my life where so many people helped me. I was like, I wish I could do something to sort of like return this favor. And the cool part about it is that when I really sat down and, in, and, and, and digested um, um, the idea and, and before I even moved forward with it, I did a really mm -hmm. uh, assessment of my life in terms of um, the opportunities I've had and and the some of the the, the ideas behind behind the genesis of, of this venture and it stemmed yeah. all the way back to when I was sort of like a kid. My dad to this day, my dad was an early adopter of of technology. Um, he was an early mm. email user, so a lot of his business came from from U.S. partners. My dad hasn't been to the U.S. in maybe thirty years. He stopped going to the U.S. after college. Mm -hmm. He never went back. 
literally never went back. Right. So he right. was able to form partnerships with credible businessmen just over emails. One of his, his, his company, Advanced Performance Technologies Limited, he was able to form a partnership that is still lasting to this day, 15 years, with one of the world's largest manufacturers of track and field equipment, Gill Athletics, and he has never met yeah. the owner. They were communicating mm. by emails for three years. For three years by emails, and my dad didn't have funds to essentially start up his company, which was selling sporting equipment. And that gentleman fronted my dad over a million dollars worth of equipment off of just trust through emails. And my dad was able to kickstart his company. I'm not surprised. Yeah, mm. was, was able That's to kickstart. That's how we do business. That's how we yeah. met. <laughs> definitely, definitely. So my dad yeah. was able to kickstart his business. So think about that opportunity and how my dad was able to leverage technology and his network to start a business even me traveling the world as an athlete you know a lot of athletes if you if i go to europe i would have a couple of friends who are european athletes before i go yeah. stay at a hotel i would hit up one of them and be like hey i'm coming in town you think you can host me for a couple of days we're probably going to compete at the same meet and it'll be not a problem so that was some of the exchanges and relationships that i was able to form with my athlete or uh, athlete um comrades um, even yeah. going to Baylor University, our first day of orientation, our track and field campus was about it's, it's, it was about 15 minutes from campus at the time, so you can walk. Yeah. So our coach, Todd Harbour, um, he was like, exchange numbers with someone who has a car so you can get a ride to practice every day. My best man for my wedding, Marcus Boyd, um, and also mm -hmm. my CTO now, he used to give us rides, give me and, and one of the friends, right to practice every day every day but occasionally there'll be those instances to where he might have had a late exam or he practiced in the morning and i'm looking at a clock practice starts exactly at 3 p.m i'm looking at 2:59. no marcus 305 no marcus so i call him <laughs> and be like oh shoot i forgot you but here's where 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 luhu could have came into play our trap team yeah. was big we had over 100 guys we had cross country we had distance guys, jumpers, trawers. And a lot of these guys were not necessarily my friends. I mean, we're on the same team. We, we're cool, but I don't have their phone number. This was 2009. So I'm there now trying to text message everyone in my contact list. Hey, can I get it right? Hey, can I get it right? Hey, can I get it right? But guess what? There were guys who lived in the next street or in my apartment complex who were not necessarily in my direct circle. I did not have their phone numbers. So what if there was Luhutawe? I could have connected with them for the purpose of getting a ride to go to the same area, which was the track and field stadium at the same time, mm -hmm. right? So even some of these instances had me thinking like, hey, this, this really makes sense, a platform to where you can share in network and as opposed to just with strangers and then analyzing the growth of, of the sharing economy through platforms such as Uber, Airbnb. And when you really consider it and think about it, it's kind of crazy how far we have come to where people are now willing to share their car, their homes. These are some of the most private spaces that they own with strangers. Yeah. So why would you not mm -hmm. share it with someone who you trust in network? You know, so that was sort of like the genesis behind the idea, just me taking a bunch of real life experiences that I had over the course of my life and putting it into this one, this one, this one application, I, I should say. Yeah. Nice. So talk to us about sort of the functionality of the of the app itself so it's available i guess in android and an app for i'm sorry for for iphone as well 
Okay, so no problem. So for the past year, we have been able to, we did some closed beta testing on the iOS system. Our goal is okay. to complete for iOS and Android. Um, we are looking right. to complete the go-to-market product by September. So we're actually gearing up for, for a launch. We are um, just mm. getting some of our resources in place. But okay. essentially, the platform is going to be offered it's going to be, uh, as we said, a, a resource sharing application, but it's not going to be open based in the sense that it's not going to be like a Craigslist where you can just offer anything. Um, it's going to be based off of a pre-selected list of resources that we deem relevant to the current social climate. And these resources mm -hmm. right now can be right in home share, of course, because they dominate the sharing economy and they have the largest market size. But we are looking to expand on the sharing economy by integrating the power of social networking tools, but also nice. other offerings such as educational services, connection for social mm. events, connections for natural disasters. One of the, the, the another area that, that I, I really, or we, the team really ups, uh, um, analyzed and think that there needs to be um, some streamline or some um, clearer medium in terms of, or more efficient medium in terms of helping people in the advent of natural disasters. A lot of the times you would see on Facebook sometimes an island had a hurricane in, in Bermuda or one of those countries. And it's like you would mm -hmm. see someone saying, hey, if anyone who is affected, reach out to me, I can assist you. But a lot of the times the individuals who need that help do not see the message from the person offering it because it's on a timeline and Facebook and these other platforms and they were not necessarily created for these specific purposes, right? So we are creating right. this platform with these specific purposes in mind. So you know, in the case of these advents, you can streamline communication to access this particular resource. It's not going to be bombarded with one, one post saying, hey, anyone needs help, but it's surrounded by a news feed of, of fake news and news feed of fake trash. A lot of these messages got lost in noise. Get lost in noise, utilize yeah. the traditional platforms, even though they are very useful. I mean, great job to Facebook and Google and all of they have done thus far. But I think that um, they could definitely be improved through maybe another platform. As we said, they were not necessarily built for these specific purposes. So we are building this application with specific user case scenarios in mind. So a lot of, mm. of, our, of our user cases that we have been analyzing and using to collect data came from these instances, literally, where a lot of people will be offering these resources, but the people who need it are not able to connect to the person's offering. So we aim to right. create that sort of matchmaking system. When you think of an application like, like Bumble and Tinder and all of these date matchmaking systems, they are matchmaking yes. you based off of the tense of you are looking for someone, maybe mm -hmm. um, the, the features are how they look, their age. What about in our platform, we are connecting you, not just for dating, but for actual resources that can benefit your need and your interest, right. you know? So it's just right. sort of us um, changing the, 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 the lines of which communication is directed and setting mm -hmm. it on one that is more productive and purpose-driven as opposed to just making friends and, and posting stuff and likes and all of that. We want to create a platform that could really add value to the lives of people. Excellent. So the shared economy is live and well in Trinidad and Tobago. Correct. Correct. So um, not it is not, however, dominated by any of the major players. Uber came to Trinidad in 2000 and, 2017 or 2018, but they left mm -hmm. in less than one year, um, mm. citing 
exciting um, challenges with regards to our technological infrastructure. But also there was an instant where an incident where uh, Uber driver was shot and killed and robbed, right? And there you go. That yeah. was one of the, the the turning point for them that made them leave essentially. And actually, the kid who was murdered is a a, a, a friend of mine's family member, you know. And hearing the stories was a good kid. And when you think about it, what can really be done in terms of of at least mitigating some of these instances is you sharing to people who you know and who you trust, literally, as opposed to picking up strangers. So not to say that um, Uber and they are not a great platform. They are great at what they do in terms of providing that, that option to get you from point A to point B or get you somewhere to stay. But we are mm. not here to necessarily compete with what they have done, but improve and add to what they are doing in the sense that we are providing another option that is essentially safer, and can be cheaper because it's someone in your network, you know. So that is right. some of the, right. yeah, some of the how how we aim to to differentiate ourselves. And even in these markets, these emerging markets like the Caribbean, Asia, and stuff like that, we are mm-hmm. heavy users of communication technology. We are heavy users of yeah. WhatsApp, heavy users of mm-hmm. iMessage, Viber, and all these platforms that facilitates you to Telegram and connect. Yeah, and when you we really. And when you think about it, these platforms all they, they, they facilitate the tools to conduct business. When research has proven that billions of dollars worth of transactions takes place off of transactional platforms such as WhatsApp. So you see a lot mm-hmm. of these rideshare applications in Trinidad and Tobago, they use WhatsApp. So essentially a driver, when you connect for a ride, you will get a message from a driver. He might send you a picture of his car. You send him your location. And guess what? You can pay that driver in cash. If you pay that driver in cash, when you think about it, WhatsApp doesn't make a cent off of that transaction such as Uber does. Because what Uber does is they block communication until after the transaction. You can never message an Uber driver until you book a ride, essentially. Mm -hmm. So we are reversing Mm -hmm. that script and putting communication before transaction so you can connect to individuals. And with that power of communication, you can maybe get a discount or you can foster a, a old connection that you haven't spoken to in 20 years maybe you on Luhu you can see a, a, a high school friend who you haven't spoken to in let's say 20 years and right through our platform we aim to allow you to bypass some of those awkward barriers of asking for favors on social media to where you can mm. foster these organic connections because psychology has proven that asking for a favor actually strengthens a connection but technology has made it awkward. So when you think of, for example, going back and going on Facebook and be like, hey, let me look to my high school friends and be like, let me speak to someone who I haven't spoken to in, let's say, 30 years or 20 years and be like, hey, what's up? Let's say Jane, I'm coming in town, can I get a ride? Jane's interpretation mm-hmm. may be like, I haven't spoken to Joanne in 20 years. Why is she reaching out to me just for a ride now? Is that it? She just yeah. wants a favor. You know, so yeah. a lot of, yeah. So, so yeah, so that is how we aim to sort of bypass some of these awkward barriers by, essentially being the medium of communication and connection. So when you connect to someone, they know why you're connected to them. So the message is already interpreted and received. Fantastic. And that's launching in September. That is launching in September, God's willing. So you already have your early adopters and everything. Correct. So what we have been doing for the past, essentially, year and a half was building resources, a network of resources for what we call staying power essentially yeah. um, 
getting early signups we have on our website. Our website is live. It's www.luhu.ne. And we mm -hmm. have been collecting early signups. We have attended conferences um, such as the Startup and Grind conference where we were one of the 300 exhibiting companies where we collected data, feedback, and signups. So we are in right. the process of right now essentially building our onboarding um, database and right. it's just completing a version one, a, a solid go-to-market version one of the product. And the goal is essentially to leverage some of the connections we have locally um, through my athlete um, fraternity coming up from a, a, a strong background in athletics and sports and to essentially build awareness to get users to try the platform. It's a free to download, free to use, and essentially through a utility token, which we're going to implement in the application, uh, we can incentivize users to try the platform. So that is how we aim to, to, to unroll within the next couple of months. So you've essentially been putting your MVP out there for the past year and a half. Mm -hmm. You've made the iterations and you're building it and you're going to launch in September. Correct. Correct. Nice. Very good. Very good. Well, I know that's going to go well. Do you foresee Luhu expanding to the wider Caribbean? Most definitely. So it was never our, our, our goal to have this as just a, a Trinidad application. We want to take Luhu to the world. We definitely right. think that now is there is no greater time right now in terms of the transitioning of, of social media. Um, we see a lot of the incumbents, Facebook, Google, and all these platforms, they are heading now more so. They are re revamping their approaches to social networking, and they are kind of trying to build it from the ground up back to the community outreach level. So we definitely think right now would be a great time for us to get this product out there, especially with what's going on with the world and COVID. Um, so we, mm -hmm. we, we think that once we are able to achieve a, a particular level of, of growth, our, our plan is not to only take it to the wider Caribbean, but also mm. to the US and to the Europe. So our goal is to create really something that potentially scales globally. So we are aiming to, to we, have, we, have, we, have high, we have high hopes for, for this project, really high hopes for this project. I can say I that. believe in high hopes. I believe in thinking big. You, you got to think big. You gotta Definitely. be audacious in your thinking. Otherwise, what's the point? <laughs> At least that's yep. my that's yep. my view. I know not yep. everybody thinks that way, but I do. I mean, if mm -hmm. you're going to be out there, just just do big. You can't. You can't. There's nothing to lose. You can only gain. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing yeah. to lose. But nothing to lose. And we do have some strong um, connections through the other islands, such as in in Barbados and Jamaica. So our goal yeah. is early expansion into Barbados, Jamaica, and the English-speaking Caribbean. And then also mm -hmm. to the U.S. to Europe over the next coming coming years, and we do have a, a roadmap of of features, updates that can facilitate some major growth. So we are we are just you know we are enjoying the journey and 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 seeing how it progresses and trying to take it as far as high as we can possibly go. Yeah, and people should know. I mean, I know the Caribbean isn't on everybody's hot list, but there's a lot of amazing technology coming out of the Caribbean. I mean, fintech is growing big all around the Caribbean. We've got fintech companies in St. Kitts, mm -hmm. in Trinidad, in Jamaica, in the Bahamas. They're everywhere. They may not be as sort of well-known as some of the, the other companies that we hear about in other developing countries, but there's quite a few of them here and mm -hmm. other apps like yours. So there's a lot happening in the Caribbean. Most definitely, most definitely. I definitely In agree terms of tech. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it's it's and a great it's a it's a great place for 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 technology as well too. You know, as an emerging market, we are definitely in the Caribbean. Even as you said, we are we are typically under underlooked, uh, mm. but I think that the Caribbean has a lot of um, potential for for early and uh, early adopters as the Caribbean has been sort of like shaped off of like American culture. So typically oh God, you yes. find, uh, yeah, you find a lot of a high user base of like Instagram in the Caribbean and Trinidad, a lot of Facebook mm-hmm. users. So we do adopt a lot of technology. So I think that is just for us to essentially bridge the gaps of getting that awareness out and, and sort of like stimulating change. I think the major problem in Trinidad is the lack of willingness, to, uh, not Trinidad, but generally the Caribbean sometimes can be the lack of willingness to change and adapt. And that is Absolutely. also part of, yeah. part yeah. of why... Um, I, actually, my, my discussion topic for this, you know, I think that is really important for us as, as the Caribbean nations to, to understand the importance of, of quick adaptation and being able to adapt and be agile, you know. And even this entire yes. process, when I talk about adapting and learning, as, you, as, as we discussed earlier, I never necessarily studied technology. I went to school mm. for communications. I was an athlete. And this entire process was learning and adapting for me, you know. Learning and adapting, learning and adapting. So the, uh, what I had, my strong point was the ability to be coachable. Um, I think yes. that I take advice pretty well and being able to, to make change. You know, I think like in the Caribbean, sometimes we are afraid of change, but sometimes change can be good. So even when you see simple things like the banks in Trinidad, the lines are way too long. And some of the people in the bank will literally just come there to withdraw 300 bucks, which they can do from an ATM, but it's an old lady who just doesn't know about the ATM and is not willing to learn, you know? So I think mm. that part of the mindset that we need to, to drive into the Caribbean is the, uh, the willingness to learn and the ability to adapt, you know? Technology is here is for us to, to utilize it in the best possible manner that we could to give us sustainable, sustainability moving forward, you know? I think that we still, on this realm, sort of like fear technology. So part of what not only myself, but a lot of individuals like Alan Wayne and those guys who who Oh yeah, he's doing great work. Yeah, doing, doing great, great work. work. Part yeah. of part of part of the message I definitely think is that as we individuals such as myself and the Alwins, we have had the opportunity to travel the world and see and experience some of the blessings of technology. So it's just for us now to relay these messages through through value adding companies. So I think that if the Caribbean, they see these fintech organizations and these applications coming from the Caribbean, I think that they would be more willing to adopt it as opposed to some, at least a particular population, as opposed to um, something that they, they did not know about or some guy from America created. There really is that population of the Caribbean that thinks like that. And we have to mm-hmm. take into consideration those mindsets because they make up a population, a, a, a vast population as well, as you can say, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, one of the reasons I said you should think big and be audacious is that I think that the Caribbean has the potential to create global brands. But mm-hmm. sometimes we play we play too small. And that is, again, because of our of how our inability to adapt, like you said, mm-hmm. and maybe just our culture and our mindset. But I definitely think brand Caribbean is possible and the Caribbean can build global brands. Absolutely. Definitely. And I want to encourage um, anyone who is listening to this podcast as well, if you're from the Caribbean, there are global brands that are looking for great ideas, even if you are from the Caribbean. So do not 
limit yourself to say, hey, I don't have access to resources to do this. There are organizations and individuals looking for people with brilliant minds, people with big ideas to support them. So Living Testament, um, there are organizations such as like the Draper University founded by Tim Draper. Um, they have a VC program. It's called the Draper University, where they are looking mm -hmm. for founders from all across the world with big ideas, where they coach them in entrepreneurial skills. And eventually, they might invest in your company. They have invested over $240 million in, in founders who have passed through that organization. I myself, I'm an acceptee of that 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 um that institute and i mean yeah. they have been they have been great in terms of assisting me thus far covid kind of pushed back some of our timelines but there are opportunities to where you can get the knowledge you can get the resources you can get a network and you can even get talent not necessarily locally so think big and i think when you think big big finds you if you think small small finds you if you think big you gain access to these resources that can actually help you create something big so don't ever think that you're limited to just what is directly in your vision or what is directly around you. But explore other avenues, explore, I mean, they use technology wisely. There are great applications such as LinkedIn. Um, you can use even Instagram to connect to some of these high profile guys who, who are looking, guys are looking, it's just for you to, to communicate with them effectively to gain their interest. And if you do have a great idea, I think you can do it, you know? Yeah, for sure, definitely. And we mentioned Aldwin Wayne. He's a fellow Trinidadian, mm -hmm. <laughs> a fellow countryman. And people should look him up if they don't know him. Like you said, people from the Caribbean. He's the founder and CEO of, I think it's WePay. Correct, WePay and, Caribbean. Um, yeah, so there are a lot of, and he's just one example. I mean, I've been coming across lots of people in the Caribbean building amazing companies. I hope to get many of them on the podcast next year to do a whole mm -hmm. Caribbean tech series of working amazing. on it. But yeah, man, but there's like loads of Caribbean um, young people building mm -hmm. amazing businesses and they're getting funding. And like you said, you, you don't have to be limited because you're from the Caribbean. There are global organizations that will fund your business mm -hmm. if it's registered in the Caribbean. So that doesn't matter at all, at all, mm -hmm. at all. But to the topic of something that's very passionate to you, like you said, which is um, the importance of learning and adapting. Mm -hmm. Now, as an entrepreneur, how important would you say that is learning and adapting? I think that's the, that's the, the utmost learning, stay in learning. There's a, a term yeah. called, to be an entrepreneur or a successful entrepreneur, you have to remain a masterful student, right? So mm -hmm. it's a constant game of, of learning it's people, a, a lot of individuals have it as the, the, the flip. A lot of people think that as an entrepreneur is someone who knows everything and it's just to do, do, do and teach and tell people what to do. But essentially being an entrepreneur is a game of constant learning and constant adaptation. Yeah. Because one, you're going to have competition. So with competition, mm -hmm. forces you to innovate. The only way you can innovate is essentially to keep learning. You keep learning of, of new trends, new patterns, new technologies, new anything. For you to stay on top of the game, you have to consistently learn or else you would fall behind, right? And yeah. the ability to adapt. Like in business, there are going to be forces, especially as an entrepreneur, there are going to be forces sometimes that things are not always going to be in your control. You're going to have employees, you're going to have partners, you're going to have, you're going to have a lot of external forces that can be pulling and tugging from the direct vision of which you guys set forth and the ability to really be able to adapt and thrive to what is going on, 
even the failures is what really makes a successful entrepreneur or, or business, you know, because you're always going to encounter hurdles. There are, there are instances where um, you might have a, a food store, you might hire an employee and that employee steals from you. What are you going to do? Are you going to close down the business because it's not your fault? Or, or are you going to mm. adapt to a successful resolution to the matter to keep moving forward, you know? So I think that it's really about adapting, but adapting to thrive and failure to adapt to die. So essentially, it's a constant game of learning. And for you to be able to adapt, you have to learn because if you don't learn, you don't know what you're going to adapt to, you know? So I think that they go hand in hand and, and really, yeah, that's, that's, I think that's one of the, the, the key, key factors. A lot of people talk about it. They call it a term now pivoting. Pivoting, I believe, mm-hmm. is the same as another coin phrase for, for being able to adapt. But essentially, for you have sure. to be able to, to, to pivot or adapt to, to what, that, what leads towards that successful vision or, or overcoming these adversities that you have to encounter. You know? So that is my takeaway in terms of the importance of, of learning and being able to and being ready and willing to adapt. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned from a Caribbean cultural perspective that that's something we should all embrace as well because you don't think we're we're so good at that generally not just in the mm-hmm. startup space but generally as a culture mm-hmm. yeah can, can, can you read that no i said and you mentioned earlier that as a culture in the caribbean generally we're not so good at adapting no well no i i, I definitely yeah yeah I, I tend to tend to see that see that uh, a, a lot in terms yeah. of a lot of people, um, they get stuck in their routines and get stuck in, in, one, in one, one path, especially in life. As a, a, coming from the Caribbean, you see a lot of people, they do the same thing. They get a job um, or they, <laughs> they stay in one particular lane and they do exactly that. So I think that that has been um, almost in, in green in, in our, our psyche as, as, as Caribbean folks uh, in terms of just you kind of go by with life and just let things flow and you know you just kind of don't uh, you don't take charge of things for you to be able to sort of like adapt you have to be able to take charge of of not only um your business but also your life you know so i think that this is a a, a great message to to not only the younger folks but some of the older folks who are in the caribbean because this this lack of adaptation the change has led to um, in my opinion, a lot of some of these state organizations even to remain sort of like stagnant, you know, in terms of mm-hmm. in the Caribbean, you, see, mm-hmm. you, don't see, you don't see enough growth in terms of um, state funded organizations. Some of our, it, it, when you, even when you, when you think of, 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 of how to put this, management, sort of like um, hmm, consistent improvement. I feel like a lot of people consider consider growth as in terms of doing what you thought necessarily may have been right but not necessarily what new mechanism of what right is so a lot of people in the caribbean they have let's say one year of experience that they do 40 times essentially (laughs) 40 years and they say they have 40 years of experience but they have one year Mm -hmm. of experience times 40 you know so doing the same uh, thing yeah yeah, doing doing the same Mm -hmm. thing so this has been one of the the, the major problems with regards to, I would say for Trinidad, I, I can speak for our island, but with regards to like the sustainable growth of Trinidad was really the lack of willingness for, for adaptation and change and new fresh ideas. You know, so I think that 
is for us to break, just break the mentality of, of thinking change is a bad thing, but change mm. can be good. You know, so I think that that is, yeah. that is sort of the message. Change can be good once you're making the right changes, you know? Yeah, I, I'm of the view, and I've said this in the past on um, other podcasts that I've done about the Caribbean. I think that a lot of us in the region are quite laid back. And mm -hmm. I think we are laid back because of our proximity to the United States and because of some of the influence that the United States yields in the region. I think it's made us really comfortable, whereas... Mm -hmm. If we were further away we'd, and we didn't have the luxury of being so close to America, i.e. everybody goes to America, everybody studies there, can picks up on a plane and goes there, you have family there, whatever, what have you, or to Canada, for example. Just our proximity, mm -hmm. proximity to North America has somewhat made us a little too relaxed. Whereas yeah, if I, we were I, further I, away, if we were further away, like in Southeast Asia or just the East or in, in, in Africa, in the continent of Africa, it'd be different. That's, that's just my view. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, 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 probably, you probably are right. You probably are right. Because um, you, you tend to see it with these countries that are close to America. You see it with Venezuela, South America. So I definitely think that you are, you, you are hitting a, a nail on the head there in terms of, of due to proximity to... I think it's just the, the, the ease, of, ease of life, you know? We've had it. Yes. We've had it. Yeah, we've had it. Uh, just a, a bit too comfortable to where we did not think that change was necessary. You know. So again, yes. I think it's just a mindset shift that we need to we need to set in motion. And now, I mean, when you, when you look at what's sort of like going on with America right now, America, um, with regards to COVID, a lot of jobs are being lost and all that kind of stuff. You know. So America now, as some may say, is sort of like an emerging market right now with all of that chaos yes. going on and. And all of my these job students, losses. <laughs> my students said that the other day. They were like, Miss Hamilton, um, the United States is almost like a third world country. <laughs> I just mm -hmm. laughed. Yeah. I just yeah. laughed. Yeah. But it's true. In some it, it is, you know. I mean, if you took away the fact that it's the United States and you just read all the headlines and read about everything mm -hmm. that's happening there, you would easily think that's the Caribbean, South America, Africa. Like, you know, it sounds like a developing country, the things mm -hmm. that they're experiencing at the moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Most definitely, most definitely. So I, I so I, I think the major the major part for for the Caribbean to really move forward is a sort of like a change of mindset to pro towards productivity. And I think that right. that would, would yield tremendous rewards. I think that that productivity is really what has been lacking in, in the Caribbean. We've just been a bit too lax with regards to our our growth as nations. I think yeah. that with 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 technology now, I think that we can sort of like offset some of these 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 imbalances that we have gained over the years with regards to mm. lack of productivity in the workplace. I think that technology could bring about those changes, but it would mm. take um, essentially someone to do it first. So that is why you gotta again commend guys like Alvin who are taking these these steps to to bring major change and show how it's done. And these yeah. these 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 magnitude the shift is these large shifts shifts in terms of culture and, and lifestyle and and quality of life i think would bring about change so it's really for for someone to spearhead or a group of individuals to sort of spearhead these projects in terms of shifting the culture so this is yeah. part of like the journey and what we hope to do as well with Luhu, shift the culture to one that is more productive definitely and i am certain that once you start luhu uh, well, not once you start, because you've already started. Let me reframe that. Once you launch officially in September, 
I'm almost certain that you're going to see it's it's going to evolve perhaps into areas that you you didn't even think you'd be working on because that's kind of how these things go. Mm-hmm. You know, and and then it's and tap well, into it's, other markets. Correct, yeah. and and is then again it's ways for us to adapt and and to keep adapting because as we grow, we cannot necessarily foresee every everything that is coming our way. You know, so again. Be willing to welcome change, but know how to handle change, you know? Right, so, right. Manage so change, manage how, change. Yeah. yeah, how to manage change. Managing change is, is important, you know, even with mm. just this idea from inception. So many changes has, 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 has happened before we even launch in terms of the general idea, the concept, what features we go to market with. And, you know, all yeah. of this was based off of feedback, research, and, and being willing to, and, and, and accepting change and accepting that, that, you know, sometimes you cannot control all of the forces, but it's for you to control the variables that you can, you, you have in your hands and, you know, and being ready and willing to adapt to what you cannot change, you know? Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So we're near the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this has gone by so quickly, right? It's so quick, Such yeah. a good conversation. Um, at the end of each podcast, I like to ask the guests to share some I've stopped asking for advice. We don't like advice, but lessons learned from your experience thus far as an entrepreneur, as an entrepreneur in the Caribbean, what have you. Or um, if not, lessons learned, some inspiring words that they that they can take with them that could probably help them to stay motivated. Either or, up to you. Lessons learned. Well, mm. one, you... you, you Turn, turn uh, to the fellow entrepreneur, you have to have one utmost confidence in, in one, your abilities, and mm. also aim to maximize on your strengths. So part of, mm. uh, of what I, I have done and I've done quite good was being able to network and connect to individuals. I tend to mm. work on my strengths and, and solve my weaknesses using other people who are great at what I'm weak at. You know, I think that modern businesses right. now, the micromanaging is not going to work anymore. You know, so it's about finding people who can fill your voids while you capitalize on your strengths, especially at these early points in, in the growth of a business. So it's really about yeah. being confident in your strengths, but also being confident in knowing what you do not know. Yeah, if that definitely. Makes sense. And what you, so, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm, so, sure. so, so it's really, really about being confident and having, having great partnerships. I think that partners who, who see the vision and are willing to stay true to the vision, that is the strongest advice I think I can give to, to early stage entrepreneurs because business now, it is so dynamic and so diverse. It's really hard for one person to do everything. So yeah. it's really about finding great support and, 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 and utilizing that support to really be the driving momentum of progress. Great support, great team, I think is what really b- what builds great businesses, you know? Yeah, for sure. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Well, Swede, it has been absolutely brilliant to have you on. Thank you so much. No problem. I appreciate it. And I appreciate the chance to spread the message behind what we're doing with Lou and also give yeah. some advice to, to entrepreneurs across uh, across viewer well, listeners to your podcast. You know, I'm really thankful yes. for the opportunity and, and grateful for this. And we are recording this on the 18th of June and it's your birthday. Correct. Happy correct. birthday. Yeah. And by the time this podcast launches in September, Luhu would have launched as well. So correct. tell us again where to go to 
down like the website or where we can go to download or what what should we do what do you want us okay. to know so right One now you can thing. you can find us on on instagram we have our page on instagram it's luhu underscore app you can also okay. sign up for early access on our website it's www.luhu l-u-h-u dot m-e m as in man e as in echo so you can okay. sign up for early access via those via via the website and look forward to what's to come. Once you sign up for the early access, you will get an email with the option to download the platform once it's ready. And we're looking at open beta testing in September. So, I mean, if you sign up early, you get a chance to test early with us before we go major, right? Nice. Fantastic. Okay. Thank mm -hmm. you so much. And until next time, folks, that's Enjoy. it. So, mm -hmm. bye for now. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Thanks a lot, guys. And I appreciate everything. Of course. Bye. Hey there, Rare Ones. I hope you enjoyed listening into this week's conversation. The Rare Birds podcast is available for listen across all major platforms, including Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Anchor, and several more. Please share our conversations with your friends. Don't forget to subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can do so by opting in on our homepage of our website, www.rarebirdshq.com. Com. The weekly newsletter provides analysis and data around the topics explored in our weekly conversations. Lastly, I would love your feedback and spend way too much time on Twitter. My handle is included in the notes section of each episode. Tweet me your thoughts, ideas, opinions, and feedback because I'm always looking for ways to improve my craft. If you absolutely love what you heard, then rate us on your favorite podcast platform. See you next week for more conversation. Bye for now.